that for you? Have you always been comfortable being vulnerable? I thought I was being vulnerable, mm. you know, but then I ended up realizing like, man, I'm not happy, dude. Why am I not happy? Why am I, you know, partying on the weekends, doing a ton of drugs, you know, staying up super late, going on benders. Like, why am I doing this to myself? My dad was an alcoholic. The day that you were like, all right, I'm going to do this. What was that conversation like with yourself? Man, that's a good question. Welcome to the Nirvana Mind and Body Podcast, a place for conscious conversations, a space to feel, expand your mind, and learn to become your fullest self. What's up? What's up? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, welcome to Nirvana Mind and Body. I'm Justin Lovato with my good friend Jake Wan, and we got a, a great guest on today. I'm really excited to have you, Eric Leha. Um, he is one of the, I would say, top trainers in the world. Um, he's been training, uh, coaching for about seven years now, right? Right about that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Longer? Almost eight years. Eight years now? Yeah. Close. Nice, close. nice, nice. He's a, <laughs> he's an on it senior kettlebell coach instructor. He's been also uh, in the mixed martial arts. You've been doing mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. MMA for short. <laughs> yeah, you've been doing <laughs> MMA for short. <laughs> Let me uh, redo that. He has been in MMA for about... Uh, since you were 12 years old. Yeah. Since yeah. I was a little kid. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, it was the one thing I could be good at. I wasn't very athletic growing up. That's really? Yeah. I got swole pretty young. That's cool. I was reading the Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. <laughs> Here, go ahead and bring your mic up just a little bit. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. you can. Yeah, he knows, can uh, right he knows the ins and outs of strength training and conditioning. He also promotes a uh, creativity while working out, a non-dogmatic approach in his training philosophy and uh, he's big on body movement as well and of course uh, an all-around lifestyle so uh but all of that we really want to get to know you on a deeper level so thank you for coming on here and uh thank you for having me yeah man I'm stoked. so i personally have known eric for about i would say three or four years now we met social media and uh I, uh, I always loved his style of training it was very different than whatever I was into at that time. I was in your, your basic bodybuilding and, uh, watching his videos, it was, it was pretty phenomenal cause I really wasn't seeing it. And you were kind of like the first person I would say on uh, mainstream, uh, doing all the kettlebell work using these type of movements that most people really weren't into just yet. How did you find yourself in this space of kettlebell work training? It was so different than everybody. Like walk us through that. Um, I really fell in love with kettlebells when I was training, training the conditioning for martial arts, mixed martial arts. I got to train with, you know, some of the guys in the UFC back in the day, like Sean Shirk and uh, this guy, Roger Huerta. He was uh, one of the first UFC fighters on the cover of a magazine on sports, on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was like, kicking some dude on the fence. It was, it was kind of a big deal, especially he was like a hometown hero here in Austin, Texas. He was a good friend of my brother's. And uh, so I was like 13, 14 when I met him for the first time. So I was already into the UFC. So I got to meet him and I really like, I was already doing jujitsu, a little bit of kickboxing. And so when I met him, we really got to do some like strength and conditioning work that his coach was putting him through. And so it actually involved a lot of fun bodyweight routines, explosive training, you know, a lot of traditional stuff too, like barbells and dumbbells, but a lot of kettlebell snatches and swings to really work on full body power. And so I was like, man, you know, these kettlebells are dope. 
you get to lug these, you know, iron balls around. And so I, I like fell in love with it quickly. And, you know, throughout the years, like uh, working out on it, Joe Rogan would talk about kettlebells all, all the time on the, on the podcast. And he was a, one of the uh, big proponents of on it and alpha brain and mm. all of our products. So I, I listened to his podcast a lot growing up straight out of high school. And, you know, the more he talked about it, the more uh, on it was like, all right, we're going to start selling kettlebells. And so I ended up getting a job uh, as soon as I dropped out of college. I went to UT for like a semester. And I dropped out of school. Aubrey Marcus, the former CEO, was good friends with my brother. And we used to actually train with him. He was good friends with Roger, the UFC friend that we had back in the day, too. So I remember we used to train in Aubrey's garage in El Garaje. Wow. Yeah, Aubrey had a decked out garage, like mats, uh, kettlebells even like steel clubs and like sledgehammers, which were super unconventional yeah, back yeah, in that yeah, time. That sure. was probably like 2009, 2008 wow. in that time. Oh no, I graduated like 2000. Yeah. I was like 15, 16. Yeah. We're in his garage, uh, like sparring. And, uh, I remember I, fe- I met, that was the first time I met Aubrey. This was before he had done on it in alpha brain. And he's like, he's like, we're all getting after it. And I got to spar him for the first time. Keep in mind, he's like six, one, six, two. I was like, I'm five ten, and I was like 16. Yeah. So I was like 150 pounds. He clocked the <laughs> crap out of me, busted my nose. He never lets me live that down to this day. <laughs> yeah, so, you ever get a rematch or what? Nah, never. No. Nah. We did some jujitsu like a few years later and I, I rolled around with him, but Nah, I never got my rematch. I fenced him one time and I beat him. I was one of the only guys at the company that beat him in a fencing match. He's super into everything. He's oh, super wow. competitive. So he had like this whole fencing gear. And yeah, I think wild. he competed in college too. So he was so pissed when I beat him in fencing. <laughs> That's epic, actually, fencing. But yeah, so I ended up getting a job at on it through my brother and through Aubrey uh, when I decided to drop out of college. Like I just wasn't for me. I wasn't yeah. able to make friends. I wasn't very sociable. So I was like, hey, Aubrey, like, mm. is there any room for me on it? And he's like, yeah, dude, come work in the warehouse. And so I was working in the warehouse, uh, like taping up boxes, packing up supplements, shipping them off. And then next thing you know, we started selling kettlebells. And like he asked me to be uh, to to like be in a video that they were, that we were putting together. Aubrey, Whitney, his former fiance and my brother and I, we filmed like this kettlebell workout kind of like a like a follow along workout mm. so that's when i was like man you know let's, what a cool this could story. be a thing mm. you know like let's because it was a big part of the company we, yeah. like we're selling out of kettlebells joe loved them and so i had kettlebells around all the time you know working in the warehouse yeah i remember we would like me and the other guys in the warehouse would compete to see who could like lift the most boxes onto the pallets and <laughs> ship them off so dude that's an amazing story and like <laughs> I was going to ask, like, how did you find yourself, you know, using kettlebells? But there it is. They were just readily available. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And and I always thought how smart that would be if you were a fighter to train with kettlebells. That makes the most sense, it seems, if if you want to work on strength and conditioning, all those different movements, picking things up from different angles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They're so great for for grip strength. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, holding it in different positions can really, like, challenge your core. Mm. Yeah. It translates really well for for any sport, really. Mm. All the... uh, you know, training in different angles. So how did you fall into like wanting to be a coach? Is that something that also kind of just happened naturally from this transition like this? Yeah. So working well? in, in the warehouse for a couple of years, I was super happy. Mm. I got to work at, on it where everybody was super open minded. Everybody, you know, 
was super spiritual and like super into like psychedelics and brain performance, taking nootropics and really trying to optimize your body and your, your health and your mental state in any way possible, physical with kettlebells and unconventional tools with supplements. And I, I was so happy. Everybody there was super nice. We we're all best friends there. And, you know, I saw myself, I was like, I'm happy working in the warehouse, you know, I'm making minimum wage, but this is dope. You know, this is my community and I'm in my hometown. That's and awesome. next thing you know, Aubrey's like, Hey man, we we're selling kettlebells, battle ropes, steel clubs, steel maces. Like we got to we should like teach people how to use these. Maybe we should rent the space next door that just opened up the warehouse next door. They cleared it out. It was available for rent. He's like, how about we open up a gym? Damn. And he was super gung ho about it as well because we had a small company gym at the time where my older brother Juan, one of his good friends, was uh, training clients out of the company gym. And so Aubrey would come in after work and see my brother training his clients and was like, man, this is a vibe, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I love having people coming through here. It's not just for employees, like, having our friends come in and work out with Juan. It was like such good energy. Yeah, He's like, community. you know what? Yeah, let's let's open a gym. Let's, you know, promote the tools, but also, yeah, build a community mm. to help, you know, promote the supplements, promote the gear, but also just like, you know, have a tribe of people coming in and grinding together. Did and so he asked me to be one of the first coaches. And I was like, hell yeah, what do I got to do? He's like, well, let's all get kettlebell certified <laughs> first. And so yeah. I'll reset up a small private kettlebell certification for myself, my brother, uh, Sean and another friend of ours, Whitney, his former fiance and himself. And we had Ken Blackburn. He came through. He was like one of the top kettlebell coaches at the time or still is from the IKFF. Yeah. This is around like 2013. Yeah. I was like 18. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Like 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah dude. Wow. Nice. Sheesh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 11 years ago. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. I think that's so cool from, I know for myself, I've, uh, seen you on Instagram for a long time and me being younger when I wanted to go and train in unconventional ways you were one of the people that I looked Same. at for that yeah. Yeah. and I, I, uh, I remember um, I'm back from Rhode Island and purchasing your programs and had a couple co oh, uh, wow. um, kettlebells during um, COVID that was a time yeah. when I really got into that stuff but I think it's so cool to hear your story of you weren't really into this stuff that much and it just kind of happened. Yeah. Like what has been that experience for you or, or what are the biggest lessons that you've learned from I mean, that? Honestly, like the way it happened that I kind of fell in love with coaching people and, you know, using unconventional tools and, you know, going down this path. Uh, at first I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like I saw my brother, he was, he was a coach and I was like, I mean, that's cool. You know, but like growing up, you know, I'm, I'm from a Mexican family and like the Latino culture, we hold up these heroes that are either, you know, famous soccer players mm. or famous boxers, you know, mm -hmm. and from like growing up, like my family has been super diabetic or alcoholics, mm. you know, so it's like a lot of people in, in my culture, are like super addicted to stuff, whether it's food or alcohol or substances. And so I was like, man, especially my, my dad was an alcoholic, you know, he still is. And so my mom would always tell me, don't be like your dad, 
you know, so I didn't want to be like him. I also didn't want to have diabetes like my grandmother, my grandfather who passed away from from the disease. And I was like, man, I want to make an impact to my people. Wow. You know, and the only way that I knew that I could make an impact was either to be a soccer player or to be uh, a boxer. You know, so we would watch boxing matches all the time. And so I was like, I want to be a fighter. You know, I used to look up to, you know, that right around the time I was starting to come into my own and try to decide what do I need to do with my life around 12, 13. That's why that's when I thought I needed to figure it out. Uh, it was UFC. You know, we used to get these uh, old UFC DVDs. We, my brother used to watch them and we would go through them and, you know, really try to keep up with the sport. We had a neighbor down the street, this Brazilian dude, uh, Jose, he would invite us over like at like, like super late at night. We would watch like Pride FC at his house. You know, he, he had pay-per-view, so we would go chill with him. This like older Brazilian dude. I'd never forget that guy. He was super cool. And so I was like, man, I'm going to be a fighter so I can, you know, be a be a badass, you know, mm -hmm. and also represent my country and my people and inspire people like myself in my culture to be healthy, be strong, be confident and, you know, make a difference like that. And so I trained a lot, got to train with a lot of the top fighters and I was I was pretty decent, you know, but then I had my first MMA fight. It was the most brutal, most challenging thing I had ever done. It went all three rounds, it was an amateur fight. I lost a split decision. Like, I almost knocked the guy out in the first round. He ran away the whole time. I was swinging at the fence, missing. And then he almost knocked me out the second round. We took each other down. He almost, uh, he took me down. I almost got him in an arm bar. And like, it was, we ended up winning Texas Amateur Fight of the Year in 2013. Wow. Because wow. it was such a brutal back and forth mm. fight. And then I told myself, man, I experienced everything I needed to experience in that fight. I almost got knocked out. I almost got submitted. I almost submitted him. Damn. I got a bunch of takedowns. Like, it was brutal, dude. But I got clocked so hard. I remember getting hit so hard that I was knocked out. Like, yeah. I was out. All I could see was, like, tunnel vision. But I just remember thinking to myself, man, my whole family's here. My mom and dad are here. My sisters, my brother. Wow. The whole company on it was there. I was like, I cannot fall. Like, I have to stack my bones. Wow. Even though I'm like blacked out, I have to stack my bones so that I don't tip over until I come back so that I do not fall. Because if I fall, my mom is never going to let me do this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and so I came to, I ended up grabbing him and ended up surviving. But then after that, I think I had another fight uh, that I was planning to do. But then I was like, man, I, went, I remember going into Aubrey's office and going, hey, man, because he was like a big supporter of me. He really wanted me to get into it. Big combat sports fan. And he was like my mentor. And so I wanted his approval. I was like, hey, man. I went into his office. Like, I don't think I want to do these, this fight. Like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't think I see this as my path. Like, mm. it's very, it was very violent. I remember everybody in the stands was like drunk, you know, screaming these crazy stuff. Like, kill them, mm. this and that. And just like the after party. I remember I got super messed up, blacked out drunk like celebrating even though I had lost it, which is cool, you know, but it just wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. Your path. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm going to see what else I can do. I'm going to keep working in the warehouse and then opportunity presented itself to be a trainer. And then I started coaching people. I started coaching my family, my friends, getting my reps in. 
And then I started posting on social media. I remember I didn't want to do social media. I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, like they were asking me once we opened the gym back in like 2014, they're like, Hey, you need to get on Instagram and Facebook. You need to promote yourself. You know, you need to do social media so we can get some more people in here. I was like, man, I don't want to do social media. That stuff is so dumb. Like, I don't want to be on there taking selfies. Like, nah, that's so that's silly. And they're like, no, just do it. Come on. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll start at Instagram. I was like, what? Because I was like trying to be stupid and like, I don't want to do this. You know, I try to go against the grain. I was like, what's the dumbest thing that I can think of? You know, like I need to come up with an Instagram yeah, handle. Yeah, yeah. I was like, primal. Yeah, it's got to have primal in it because we were like selling primal kettlebells at the time. And I was like, and it's got to be like something tough. You know, like I really respect like soldiers in the mm. military. So like a soldier, oh, swole. You know, because I want to be swole. Everybody yeah, wants to get swole. Yeah. I was like, primal soldier. Well, yeah. yeah. And then I remember walking into the on marketing team. I was like, hey guys, what do you think about this? Primal soldier. Everybody started cracking up. I was like, all right, that's it. That's it. So I went with that. That's and so the more I posted on social media and, you know, doing my workouts, people started reaching out. They were super thankful that, you know, that they were, I was showing them new movements that they hadn't seen before, yeah. that they were able to do workouts that were actually fun. They got them to get up off their feet, that they were able to move, uh, work through old injuries and be able to play with their kids again. And it was just like super fulfilling to like hear this stuff from people that I was like, man, like. I'm reaching because I started growing too, like getting a, like a lot, bunch of followers and such a positive uh, feedback from everybody yeah. that I was like, man, like I'm able to make an impact and reach people without having to get punched in the head. Yeah. You know? So that's when I was like, oh, this is dope. Man. You know? This can be my path. Like I can grow, reach a ton of people in a positive way. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's so cool how it started with just your intention of wanting to make an impact and the path kind of forged itself. Like what you believed was going to be your path took a completely different direction, but it all started with that intention of, I just want to make an impact. And it changed into this different way. And now like I've been impacted from you, Justin's yeah, been impacted yeah, from real. you. And it's yeah. all just started with like, I want to create a different life for myself than than my family has and also support them so that's something i exactly. definitely commend you for that's awesome yeah, that's beautiful thank you mm. that's a really really fucking cool still story. trying to yeah. do it man still trying still getting better you know i've been dealing with a lot recently that has been like just a lot of changes in my life where i've been able to get it dialed in and really refocus my energy to not being selfish because mm. you kind of let a lot of that stuff get to your head and you get comfortable and I, de I, for me personally, I developed a lot of anxiety. Like I don't necessarily get like, don't let it get to my head into where I just want to only do things for myself. Like I get to a point to where like, oh man, like I want to help as many people as I can, but I get like imposter syndrome or like analysis by paralysis. And I don't want to say the wrong thing to these people because sometimes I don't feel worthy of their you know, the good things that they're telling me that I'm helping them with. Like, mm. I feel like, oh, I didn't do that. I, I couldn't no way I can have that much of an impact on somebody who has cancer and going through chemotherapy. Like, dude, like what? Sometimes I don't feel like an expert and I'm like, I don't deserve that praise. Mm. And I don't know what to say to these people. And so I kind of shut down and I become introverted because I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to email these people back. I don't want to 
message them back on Instagram. And even though they're such nice things, I get overwhelmed by how positive it is mm-hmm. that I don't want to mess it up by saying the wrong thing. Where do you, mm. where do you think that comes from? I think it comes from being insecure Yeah. Of, uh, that I didn't graduate from college. Okay. You know? Yeah. I can vibe with that. I, yeah. I didn't finish high school, so I, I, I can vibe with yeah, that. So yeah. So I feel like I'm not an expert, mm. even mm. though I, I am, you yeah. know, yeah. Mm. like I impact people in some way for them to be reaching out. Mm. Yeah. And in life experiences too, we don't really yep. consider a lot of that stuff. So hmm. yeah, especially when now you hear people who aren't even using their degrees for stuff. Yeah, you hmm. know. But I still, I still let it get to me, and that's just something that I'm, I'm working on and working through. What do you do to work on and work through it? What are your like kind of go tos to kind of like maybe uh, reprogram or retell a different story to yourself? Just keep getting my reps in. Nice. That started happening more during COVID when I wasn't going to the gym, I wasn't working with clients, I wasn't doing workshops where I was teaching people. Mm. I was solely relying on my online business, which you film a program or a course, you pour all your energy into it. You put a lot of good information into it, you know, the valid stuff that works, but then you don't have to film it or practice it ever again. You Mm. know, you sell that forever and people buy it. They love it, but you kind of lose touch with your coaching and getting your reps in and you start losing confidence. And so for me, it's getting back in the gym, working with clients, working working out with my mom, teaching her, you know, teaching uh, one-on-one clients, doing community classes, workshops. I recently started a men's group mm. where we work out together and then we come together after the hour workout and we discuss, you know, our struggles outside of the gym for 30 to 45 minutes. That's awesome. We talk about spirituality, our faith, you know, to just like really try to connect and be vulnerable. And so that's been helping a lot. In addition to actually coaching and getting my reps in there, it's also opening up to other guys about my my issues and some of the bad thoughts that come into my head. That's like, awesome, man. Yeah, because we try to hold that stuff in, you know, it like <laughs> it gets rotten. It gets rotten. Yeah. And then, you know, it comes to like the more stuff you hold in, eventually it just explodes and bursts with, yeah. you know, makes you angry and you react. Somebody w- might have told you something and meant t- something totally different. You take it the wrong way because you have all this shit that you're holding in. Mm. And next thing you know, it's, mm. yeah, it's a big problem. I, I think it's also really cool for listeners to hear and even for myself to hear from somebody that used to look up to you in the space is that you're human as well and you deal with those same things that people who like when I look at you, I say, you're an expert, but yourself, you're saying like, I deal with imposter syndrome too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing that at any stage you're at, we are all human. We are all one and we deal with the same types of things. And now what you're doing with this men's group and allowing people to know that you're human, it also helps so many people in my younger self know that like Eric is just like me. And I think that's that's a beautiful thing to know that just hearing from you from the outside perspective, like, yeah, Eric's Eric's an expert, but yeah. that you deal with those things. And I think your vulnerability and talking about spirituality with with these other men is is really making that impact that you're you're wanting to create for yourself. Yeah, man. And like sitting in on those groups, it's like I'm surrounded by other men who I can I respect, mm. especially like when you do the workout, too. 
Like these guys might be like CEOs or, you know, maybe just another guy that volunteers at the church too, you know, just like all, all these guys from different backgrounds, they come together and, you know, I end up respecting them so much when we do the workout together and everybody grinds it out and everybody finishes no matter how long it takes, you know, or even if they have to scale it, they get through the workout and then you break down those walls, you respect each other because you grind together you know yeah and so then when we go huge. into the meeting room it's like you know we were there grinding together now i can open up to you because yeah. i trust you because you know we we did some hard shit together and that's a great way to approach things too i feel like uh putting in that work together the sweat and tears in a way yeah that's why honestly surrender the anxiety and all that that like self-doubt really started creeping up um, you know, the more that I, I became successful in the fitness industry with social media is because I stopped going to martial arts classes. I stopped going to jujitsu, mm. doing getting punched in the face by my friends. You know, that stuff builds camaraderie. You know, that's like one of the for me, that was one of the biggest ways to connect with other guys and literally be vulnerable be humble you get fucking naked in front of each other in the bathroom yeah, yeah, yeah for sure you know you got your jock strap on you guys are fucking smashing each other all over the floor like it's the most like naked you feel is when you're getting smashed yeah. by another human and so i lost that touch lost that connection with other dudes and now i'm just kind of trying to build that back in a more for me right now in a more uh safe way you know because not saying jujitsu and kickboxing is dangerous per se, but in my field right now where I have to shoot videos, film content, I can't even like try to get like hurt a shoulder yeah, even slightly at risk injury. You know, I got to stay as healthy as I can. And, uh, but I do look forward to getting back into that and just kind of dabbling and, you know, yeah, getting I, back in there. I can relate to that. I, yeah. uh, I grew up wrestling. So that brotherhood that I was able to cultivate as a child actually was one of the best things that I've ever experienced. They became my full brother. Same thing, like butt-ass naked in the shower room. We were mm -hmm. the only group that would actually shower after practice. Nobody else was that yeah. intimate, I guess. Um, but yeah, you get to really know each other on a, on a very real level, and it becomes a brotherhood, and you can be open and authentic in all the other situations that follow. Yep. So yeah, that's that's awesome, and it's a really great reminder because um, every time I would go do jujitsu or grapple, um, I would feel that same way. And it's, you know, I haven't done it now. In, almost three years yeah so that this definitely inspires me more to get right back into it oh yeah yeah dude. it's a good reminder or some form of you know collaboration with mm -hmm. men's group in general that's really smart i like that i never thought about it in that way um or outside of it uh that's brilliant yeah man i like that and just like these men's groups man like one of the biggest thing that comes up is like the vulnerability thing you know when you're yeah. able to break down the walls and open up it's been super powerful for me, especially right now in the journey in the phase of life that I'm in, which is, you know, getting into sobriety, being sober and like really talking about like some of the shit that I've been, the baggage that I've been holding on to and kind of pushing down, you know, opening up that stuff with my mentor, with the other guys that I, I connect with. And, you know, the one thing that it reminds me of is this book that I've been reading recently. It's called the Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, highly recommend it. It talks about how most of us only speak about our emotions with very few words. Like I'm angry, I'm sad, mm. you know, I'm horny or I, I hate you or I'm stressed out. Like very, we have very few words to describe our emotions when 
there's way many more words that mean so many more different things. And if only we could have a better understanding of those words, we could express ourselves yeah. better. And in one of the, one of the uh, chapters, it talks about vulnerability and it says that, you know, vulnerability is not a weakness. It's actually one of our greatest measures of courage. Yeah. Because Authenticity. It, yeah. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of courage and a lot of balls to be able to open up. You know, it's definitely not weak. It's it's like I get so nervous when I'm about to open up to another person. But, mm. you know, growing courage. up, yeah, yeah man, growing really up, you think, you know, men are supposed to be strong and, you know, it's it's weak if you talk about your emotions or if you cry, mm. you know. But personally, man, I, I love crying. Same. I love expressing myself, not just, you know. I like going to the movies and like, I'll laugh my ass off. Sometimes my girlfriend's like, dude, keep it down. There's other people here watching the movie too. But that's why I like going to the movies with my brother. He's the same way. We'll be cracking our asses up and then like getting emotional too. We'll look at each other. Dude, you crying too. (laughs) I love that, man. Mm. Has it always been like that for you? Have you always been comfortable being vulnerable? Because... We'll be right back to the show, but first I wanted to ask you a question. What does community mean to you? As you probably know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and this can either elevate your life to unmeasurable levels, or depending on your core five, perhaps even drag you down. At Nirvana Mind and Body, we know that the people who listen to this podcast and engage with our content are the ones that aren't trying to live a low-level existence. You're somebody who's looking to get the most out of life, achieve your highest potential, Forge a deeper connection and relationship with yourself and the loved ones around you. Release the mental anchors that are holding you back from thriving and continue to grow as a person within a community of like-minded individuals. Knowing this, we've taken the time to curate a community exactly of the people that you're looking to surround yourself with in Nirvana Nation. Nirvana Nation is an exclusive community membership that gives you access to live Q&As each month from our mentors, two live virtual breathwork sessions, discounts on our digital products, and access to our private community of individuals that are communicating every day on how to make each day their best day. How often are your friends asking questions like the one that was just asked in the group this morning where somebody asked, what are some of the things that you guys do to replace old habits and create new neural pathways? Or for example, another one from a girl yesterday who posted a coffee product that came from a regenerative farm. So from posts like this to even the book club, these are just some of the things that are waiting for you in our health-focused community. So come join Nirvana Nation today for only $18 a month and begin taking the first steps to see what it's like to truly live a limitless life. So check out the link in the podcast notes. And now let's get back to the show. Have you always been comfortable being vulnerable? Because, you know, from an outsider's perspective, looking at your Instagram, looking at the man that you are, I mean, even just sitting here with you, like big, strong male, has it always been like that? And have you had a hard time being that vulnerable? Uh, I thought I was being vulnerable, Mm. you know, but then I ended up realizing like, man, I'm not happy, dude. Why am I not happy? Why am I, you know, partying on the weekends, doing a ton of drugs and drinking a ton of alcohol, you know, staying up super late, going on benders. Like, why am I doing this to myself? I feel like I'm being vulnerable, but I realized I was only being vulnerable when I was fucked up or on drugs or high. And I would never remember those conversations. And they were kind of like empty, you know, like I would have these like long ass 
what felt like deep, meaningful connections with people at parties. And I was like, this, you know, I ended up realizing like I was just chasing a very like selfish, like connection with people. I just remember when I would get high and I would go to these parties and I was just chasing to talk about myself, you know, and I would hear them, but I wouldn't really hmm. listen to what the hell they were saying. And I feel like everybody in, in, in that stage of my life was doing the same thing. Cause like we would connect again and we ended up talking about the same shit every weekend, you know, and like nobody would really remember what the hell we were talking about, you know? And so I was like, man, this isn't real. Like I need to switch it up. That's profound. Yeah. I was like, these are me, de- like void conversations with no meaning. Yeah. It's just me being egotistical and just talking about myself the whole time. And like, I would listen to people and then just try to revert the conversation to yourself. what I wanted to get off my chest. Yeah. And the fact that they're not really listening to you, they don't have anything to offer. You just keep holding on to all that shit. At least I did. And I felt like I never got through anything, even though I was talking about everything, being vulnerable. I never got any real feedback from people when I was like getting high or doing substances. And when I finally got sober, you know, a few months ago, uh, you know, I've been able to have way more meaningful conversations with people who actually listen to me and open safe space for me to really open up and offer feedback that actually helps me push through. You know, they tell me there are similar stories that are super relatable and we get through that shit together. And that's been one of the most powerful ways for me to, you know, connect with people and be really be vulnerable nowadays. And so that's just what I'm trying to do now is build these men's groups, not just so I can help other guys, so I can keep helping myself. Yeah. You know, well, that's how it works, right? Going within, fixing the self, and then allows you to really be that light for everybody else around you. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And it keeps you lit too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're able to keep it's good energy exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you're, I feel like I'm never going to get to a, a perfect, be a perfect human. You know, you're always going to run into problems. Some, even if your life's going great, something's going to happen. Something always happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't expect to always be, you know, in, in the, the best direction someone's going to throw you off but if you have the right tools the right people around you you're always going to get back up what are your uh, what are your go-to tools right now like when you are kind of like say i mean really in the thick of things say intrusive thoughts emotions really hit you some days uh what are your actual like go-to's or possible routines that you kind of go through the day to kind of keep you in this space this open heart space so, like what are those go-to's well honestly i pray every morning you know, I make I make my bed and I get down on my knees and I pray. Damn. Like that's awesome. I have a, a mentor who told me, you know, he's part of my recovery program. He's like, look, man, you have to get down on your knees and pray every morning, you know, for to for your sobriety, obviously, but also to to pray to your higher power that you know you're not always in control. Like there's this prayer that I really love. It's called the Serenity Prayer. You've probably heard it. It's like all over the place, but it's the most popular one because it's so powerful. It goes, yeah, please. It's a uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So that lets me know at the beginning of the day. All right. I can't control everything. 
I'll leave that up to God or the higher power. You know, I can't control the way people react to me, the way they, they take me in. You know, the I can't control other people, especially. I can't control the way other people react to me. But what I can't control is the way I react to them. And, and then just having that understanding of, okay, if I know those two things, like I can work on myself and then hopefully I'll give off a vibration where people can react well towards me as well. But then it's also the wisdom part is knowing like you're not just giving it all away. You're not just giving up. You're not just going to be like, oh, I'm not going to like God's get like if I have a paper due or a big uh, like speaking thing coming up or, oh, I'm just going to leave it up to God to help me get ready for this. I don't really need to prepare. It's like you need to find out what, the, you know, the, use the wisdom. You have to figure out the wisdom to know what what's the difference between those two things and you're constantly you know trying to find out what you can control by getting better at stuff and you know controlling more but you know not trying to control everything if you don't have the power to mm-hmm. was was um getting in that routine of prayer was that a challenge in itself yeah dude yeah i didn't grow up praying mm. i wasn't very religious um uh, but then my mentor told me he's like man i didn't believe in that shit either you know, but I've been sober, you know, over 20 years and starting out like my, my mentor told me to, to, uh, to pray as well. And I was like, the only reason I'm doing this program is because I'm just going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove that this doesn't work. And so he said he would get down on his knees every morning and just, he would say, God, I pray, um, I pray, I dare you to keep me sober today, you know? Damn. And then at the end of the night, he would pray again after a long day. He's still sober. He would get down on his knees. He would close the door, make sure his wife and his kids wouldn't see. He didn't want them to think he was, oh, look, he's he's found Jesus, you know? <laughs> look, look at him now. And so he would, like, hide in the bathroom and pray, and he would say, oh, well, you know, thank you, God, for, you know, keeping me sober, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, today worked. And you take it one day at a time. And the main thing is like what he told me is like, it's not, it's not about doing it necessarily. You're not getting down on your knees. You're not just doing it for God or the higher power to make, make it happy. You're doing it to humble yourself. You're getting down on your knees. It's like writing something down on paper, like thoughts instead of just like, Oh, I'm going to do this today. I'm just going to think about it and hold it in there or like thinking positive things. But if you write things down, you it's ingrained a little bit more right yeah, yeah. when you get down on your knees you say a prayer you hold on to that a those lot intentions deeper intentions are a little bit yeah, deeper yeah exactly those intentions are a lot deeper and so i was like damn you're right this is not just about the higher power it's about me humbling myself getting down on my knees and setting those intentions a lot a lot deeper for myself yeah you know and so that's been a huge positive thing cuz like when I'm encountering a bad thought or insecurity or somebody does something that kind of rubs me the wrong way, instead of overreacting, I think to myself, like, hey, man, just chill, take a step back, breathe, process the information, let it download before you overreact. Uh, uh, the girl that I'm dating, my girlfriend, Claire, she always tells me, you want to, there's, uh, she goes, Oh man, I forgot how she says it. <laughs> I mean, she's always says you want to align your 
actions with your intentions, right? And you don't want to make decisions. You want to make long-term decisions based on short-term emotions, mm. right? Good That's good. Yeah. So if, like, if you have this like short-term emotion where you get riled up over something that rubs you the wrong way or makes you feel uncomfortable and then you react right away, it could create a really long-term, you know, yeah. thing with this other person, this other relationship. How did you, uh, become more aware of the opportunity to not react, right? Like how did you create some space? Was there like a technique that you were able to do to start creating some space from the reaction? It's just knowing that in the past, my mm. past relationships with friends, trial like, and error, trial and error, not that reacting the way I have in the past that had, it wasn't working. So when she told me that, when I learned that, that skill to not make long-term decisions on short-term emotions, anytime I have even a positive feeling, mm. a negative feeling, I don't overreact. I take a step back. For her, it was, she fell in love with me, right? She really liked me. She felt tethered to me more than she's ever felt to anybody else. Those are the words she said. And, but she took a step back. She didn't want to rush into things because in the past, she's rushed into things and things have blown up in her face. Same mm -hmm. thing for me. You rush into things when you feel these emotions. You're like, this is the person for me. This is my person. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel, I feel it. But by taking a step back, taking our time, even though it's such a positive feeling, you take it slow, you get to know each other, you learn how to coexist before you do things, you know, you take it to the next level, you know? So even with, you know, just how, when you, when something bad happens to you or somebody, you know, bumps into you or cuts you off on the road, instead of overreacting, you know, you just chill, take a breath, take it in. Not to overreact. Same thing when something good happens, like falling in love with somebody. Take a step back, breathe. Is this really in alignment with the phase of life that I'm in right now? Then that, then then you move forward. But that's been for me. It's hard because yeah. for me, I feel something and I'm like, this is it. This is you know, mm. like this is the direction I want to go in, whether it's good or bad. I'm gonna. This is how I'm gonna react. But by slowing down, it's like makes things way better you mentioned yeah. the the breath do you actually take a breath do you take a few breaths when you feel that quote-unquote trigger oh yeah. yeah 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 all right cool yeah because it takes a while to slow down so right? i have to breathe yeah. otherwise i'll probably pass out is there a specific, <laughs> is, is there a specific nah, breath nah man just take I just, some good I breaths just, i just slow down for a second okay. breathe i feel my face get hot sometimes even when i'm like i'm comfortable you know i just mad i just like feel like I just need to chill and breathe. <laughs> and then usually Claire's there. Like if somebody texts me something weird, you know, and like they're shooting this crazy energy at me. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. And she notices it. She's like, hey, chill out, take a step back. And well, then, you know, I try not to overreact. And it usually works out really well. She sounds amazing. She does. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome, man. She but she's really also amazing. going through her own journey, journey yeah. as well. Yeah. She's been through some hard stuff. And... You know, so it's been great to, hmm. like, when I met her, man, like, I was struggling. You know, I remember we were supposed to meet up and shoot some content and work out together for the first time. We met, like, so I, I was on vacation for a couple months, so I was away from the gym. When I got back, I walked through on it, and I'm, like, walking past the windows into the small classroom, which is kind of dark, and I can see her in front of the camera. She's, like, 
all lit up on camera, you know, super energized. And I'm like, damn, who's that? You know, like she's cute, but she's also full of energy. Like that's dope, you know? And so I started following her on Instagram. Didn't talk to her whatsoever. I think I just like looked up the on it gym, see who had tagged it that day. <laughs> and I was so like, oh, funny. look, there she is. But that's, funny yeah, that. funny. super creep skills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all do it. We all do it. <laughs> that's and then so I started following her for like a month and then she started following me back. We started liking each other's stuff. And then she saw me doing one of like my crazy band workouts. And she asked me to, she said she wanted to learn. She was like, yeah, let's link up. I'll show you how to do that and some kettlebell work. And so we were supposed to link up on like a Sunday morning. <laughs> I had gone out and partied since like Thursday night all the way till like, I was, it was like two in the morning on Sunday. And I was like, I texted her. I was like, hey, some family stuff came up. I'm not going to be able to make it in the gym. You know, maybe we could do it later this week. She's like, yeah, it's okay. You know, you take care of what you got to do. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. We'll meet up later this week. And I felt so bad. You know, I was like, oh, man, I'm such a liar. I'm over here partying. Telling her some family stuff came up and I'm just fucked up. And so I ended up finally recovering that Sunday. Flash, flash forward to like Thursday that week. We finally link up and she comes in and she's just full of energy and we shoot videos together. I teach her all these new movements that she's never done done before because she comes from like a CrossFit background. Mm. And so like I threw kettlebells in her hands, the Hertz resistance bands. We did some steel clubs, some like the water bags, the hydrocore bags that on it makes. Mm. And dude, like super challenging movements. And she was not complaining. She was super eager to learn. I was throwing everything at her. And it was challenging. Like she was having a hard time, but she kept powering through. She was letting me coach her through everything. And she was not complaining. I was like, man, she reminds me a lot of myself when I was starting out. Like she's just eager to learn, absorbing everything, not complaining. So I was like, man, this chick is dope. You know, and not only that, but I had remember reading in her bio on Instagram that she was a recovering alcoholic or a sober alcoholic is what she likes to say. And so I was like, damn, like she's got this energy and she's, she, she has dealt with substance abuse in the past. Like, this is dope. So then yeah. I was like, hey, we should go grab lunch so we can grab lunch afterwards. And then this is another thing. We, uh, I was kind of testing her. I was like, all right, she's dope in the gym. But if she's really down, she'll eat whatever I say. <laughs> yeah, you know, most people, most girls and are. You're a foodie, bro. I don't think oh, people yeah. know. I mean, maybe they know. But I see, I see your stories. With yeah, the your stories are eating. amazing. So, so I'm gonna go take her to one of my favorite sub spots. I'm gonna get her a huge Italian sub with cheese and double meat, and she's like, okay. And I can see the look in her eyes. She was like, all right, let's do it. We went. She crushed the sub. I was like, "All right, she's down. She's, she's not gluten free." I love that that's the test. Yeah, I love that. That getting the sub was the big test. It's like if she eats the sub, she's the one. Yeah. I love that. I like a girl who can eat, man. That's epic. And then so we ended up talking about um, her sobriety. She invited me to a meeting, and how'd that go? How'd it go? Your first meeting? It was. I was nervous. I was like, "What am I doing here? Like, is this gonna work?" You know, mm. and dude, it's been dope. Mm. I, I go to you know, as many meetings as I can throughout the week and just the community, man, like this, the recovery program is amazing. And my mentor, he's just so awesome. And one thing that he really drove home for me, especially like, you know, growing up, I wasn't very religious. Like, 
like the whole thing is like you have to believe in a higher power greater than yourself if you're going to overcome these challenges and he's like that doesn't have to look like a bearded man in the sky you know mm-hmm. like look around around you at at these groups these other people who are sober like is the total sum of all these people together are they a greater power than yourself i was like yeah well then you get there you know what was that that the day that you were like all right i'm gonna do this what was that conversation like with yourself um that moment um, when you decided was it after that meeting was it before that meeting was it something like what really like was like yo i'm doing this man that's a good question i think it's a, a daily thing honestly Damn. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. It's like, that's a great answer. It's not like, uh, it's like a switch just flips and you're just like, I'm in it. You know, it's a struggle every day. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, fuck yeah, man. Thanks for being real like that. That's cool. Yeah, man. It's like, you have to keep putting in the work. Sometimes I don't want to get up and go to church, you know, on Sundays. I'm like, but when I can, you know, if I'm in town, like I do it, mm-hmm. you know, and I volunteer too, just cause like, dude, it's way better to do that than stay up all night it holds you accountable to other people, you know, for me, like, it sounds super basic. You're like, Oh, I don't need to be held accountable. I could do this on my own. Hmm. I can white knuckle myself through sobriety or through whatever thing I'm going through. I don't need help. Uh, man, it's so much easier if you just hold yourself accountable to your tribe and you show up as your, you have to show up as your best self. Otherwise, yeah. if you don't, you end up lying, showing up, you know, half ass and shit. And just getting through through the you know through the motions, but when you when you have other people who are also in their in their journey to be the best version of themselves, you're like man, I want to be like them. I want to learn from them, and I want to show up as my best self that I am right now. Like you might not. You sometimes I feel like, man, like these people are so much more, like, like powerful than me or like ahead of the game than I am, but. It's like, you got to just be comfortable knowing that like you are where you're at and we're all imperfect and we all help each other out. And so you don't have to feel like, like Claire is almost two years into sobriety. I'm four months in, but like, there's no comparing, Mm -hmm. you know, the only thing that comes from that length of sobriety or time is the fact that we show other people that it's possible to go that long. It's not trying to compare, oh, you're less than I am because you're only four months in. Hmm. Yeah, sure, you learn a lot in that time, but at the end of the day, it's like, dude, you're making the commitment every day to stay sober, to stay in line with your your higher self, or your best self, and you're putting in the work every day. And that's one thing she reminds me of all the time because obviously I thank her so much and I attribute like a lot of my transformation to her she reminds me all the time like hey yeah i gave you i gave you the tools i put you on that path i helped you see that path but i didn't do the work you know you're the one putting in the work so it's all you we're just here to help each other you know see see the way what do you guys do on fridays and saturday nights now (laughs) oh man we we sleep in. Nice. <laughs> we try to go to bed by like nine, ten Fuck o'clock. Yeah. Mm. If anything, you know, we'll we like to do a lot of fitness events. So, you know, 
go to community workouts on the weekends. So we try to get to bed early, mm. but we'll make dinner at home or try to, you know, go out to eat somewhere. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, for the most part, we, we like to chill, especially like we work out in the mornings, like Friday, Saturdays, we usually work out in the mornings, we work out together. Mm. And, um, yeah. So by the end of the night, Oh, honestly, we sauna and cold plunge a lot. At the house. Yeah, bro. Yeah. That's what's up. That's like some of the most, uh, cute, uh, QT time with my QT. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. One of the things that I want to ask you is, um, have you tried to become sober before? And in this situation now, it seems like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a relationship, but it seems like you have people that you lean on to keep mm -hmm. you accountable. Have you tried to become somewhere before and what's the difference now? Hmm. Yeah, I, I did go sober for about two years uh, before this past year. Um, it just, uh, it didn't work out, man. Like, oh no, it went, it happened during like another relationship. And I remember... I was going like halfway through the relationship. I was going off the rails, man. Like I remember I had lied to her and told her that I wasn't into substances. I didn't like to party and drink. And then, you know, we had some stuff come up in the relationship. So I ended up like, all right, well, I'm just going to go hang out with my friends and do what I want to do. And, you know, we ended up staying together through all that. And we ended up like, I ended up, you know, feeling like super sorry and telling her apologizing and saying, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm going to cut it all out. I'm sorry. Let's stay together. I'm never going to do this again. But then what happened was I ended up becoming super selfish. Like the only way for me to stay sober mm. is to like only focus on myself, my work, my fitness. I would go to bed like at eight o'clock, dude, spend no quality time with my significant other. I'll go straight to bed, wake up super early, go work out, go to work. And just my higher power became my work. Yeah. You know, and externally, you went external as opposed to internal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so instead of, you know, connecting with other people, I was only connecting with myself. Mm. They're trying to make more money, get more in shape, get as much sleep as possible so I can get jacked. Right. And I, uh, was, I wasn't given the proper love and energy to my significant other. That's huge. That ended up ruining that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, you know, but this is the only way that I know how to stay sober mm -hmm. is to like. Hermit jail yourself. Up a <laughs> yeah. Bit. Yeah. 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 Sure. yeah. And it seems like now you're, you're giving in multiple ways, which is allowing you to, to stay accountable. It, I wonder like, you know, before when you would, turn to these substances where do you feel like it was a place from like what were you trying to cope with i was trying to uh quiet all the anxiety and self-doubt that i had because you know a lot of success came after covid you know with the online business everybody turned towards like online training and i ended up you know kind of just doing my own thing and not working with clients anymore, not coaching classes and travel was restricted. So I, I couldn't travel and, and teach my kettlebell workshops, which was super fulfilling. I didn't know how dope that was until I wasn't doing it anymore. 
I was like, man, like I'm not connecting with these people anymore. And so all I would see was like a message on a screen and like, I didn't know how to connect with these people. And so that gave me a lot of anxiety from the imposter syndrome. I was like, I don't know what to say to these people. Like in real life, like I can, you know, hug these people, tell them, you know, thank you and like be face to face. But online, it's like, it's so easy to just be like, ah, I don't know what to say. That's interesting. I'm going to save this for later. And then you get emails for business opportunities and all kinds of stuff that you're like, ah, I can't deal with this, you know? Mm. And like, I have a team and a, and a business partner and people that help me with that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like my, it's up to me, you know, yeah. to make those decisions. And I would just, I was like, I can't deal with this. Like, this is too much. I don't, I don't know how to respond to these people. And I'm happy with what I'm doing right now. It's working. I'm getting by. I'm just going to get high to just get shut by. everything out. Yeah. Get, get high, high to get, get by. by. Yeah. Exactly. And, but what I didn't realize, but I felt to realize was that, that, you know, I wasn't just quieting those negative emotions and the anxiety. I was also quieting all the good stuff, obviously, you know, like I was able to save myself from feeling bad, not replying, but I was also wasn't being grateful for how much, how dope that stuff was, you know, and all the other good things that were happening in my life, the people that were coming into my life, people who wanted to connect and do work together or collaborate. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to be on that podcast. I don't have anything to talk about, you know? And just like, now I'm just like, dude, come one, come all, like, let's do stuff together. Obviously, you know, I try to not overextend myself and, you know, keep it real with how much I really, how much energy I can really put out there. That's one of the other big issues that led me to having so much anxiety as well. So, you know, I don't want to just give it all up again and just not do anything, but also don't want to do too much. Some balance. Yeah, yeah. it's all about balance. Hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. I, yeah. One of the things that we've been talking about the, the past couple of days is being of service. And what you said before was that you were more selfish, kind of acting from the ego. And now you're being more of service. Like you have your men's group. You also... <clears throat> are in recovery and somebody is acting of service to you would you and it also seems like you were searching for connection which is something that so many people are dealing with like when you're on social media at all times which so many people are and even you with having so many people that are still following you it seems like you're still searching for that connection is that something that's like really helped you in in this time with becoming sober is your acting of service and connecting is that something that's really helping? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, connecting with other people and helping other guys has, like, been – it's the only way to stay sober, stay happy is because, you know, the more you focus on other people, the less time you have to focus on the <laughs> fashion true. that's going on in your head. Mm -hmm. And the more you connect with these other people and help them navigate their problems, you might not have the solutions for them. I'm no expert, but I can – share my experiences and then we can navigate through stuff together yeah. and then we all learn together and it's it's the most beautiful thing like you said you give more language to than just being like i'm angry yeah. or i'm sad you're allowing like this oh, really man. good space that's for honestly language my favorite part about men's groups uh meetings you know where you connect with other people and you hear these public speakers you know somebody speaks up and they say something 
in a way like I was feeling that same mm. thing, but I didn't know how to say it. Mm. Now I have words to say it and I borrow some of that language. Yeah. Yeah. And like you can express yourself because other people who are going through the same shit start to say it in a way that you can understand. You can relate to other people. And it's like, man, that's, it's been super, super uh, beneficial for me, especially like going to church too. You know, I go to Red Rocks Church, super progressive church. Like the pastors there are super cool guys. Like they don't preach to you. They don't wear, you know, like crazy robes or suits or anything. They show up in like dope ass Nikes. And <laughs> like they're super cool guys who like, you know, they make you feel like you're a, a part of the conversation and we're all in this together. Not like, oh, uh, you have to do this or God will hate you. Yeah, no you dogmatic know? approach. Yeah, no exactly. Judgment. No judgment, right? Yeah, no judgment. Just yeah. like. We're all Open. imperfect humans chasing a a, a perfect God. Mm. We're all yeah. the same. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Um, obviously, everybody can find you on your social media. How can they uh, maybe join some of these men's groups or these groups that you're putting together? Because I think that'd be really helpful for more people to oh, yeah. know where these hotspots are at. Where can they find you? Yeah, just ch just sh sh uh, hit me up on Instagram. Oh, perfect. Yeah, DM Easy. me at primal.swolger or you can email <laughs> me at eric at ericleha.com and uh i'll get you all the information to meet up at the next one or you know uh connect you with some other groups that might be in your area bro this was like really cool i really yeah. appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story opening up being authentic mm -hmm. being truly authentic um it's really cool to have this conversation with you so thank you for coming on here yeah, and if uh, there's one question i would like to ask before before we end is if you could give are the listeners one lesson that's been a huge catalyst for you from where you came from at um, the beginning part of your life or, and maybe even touching on some of the core values that have allowed you to get to where you're at? What would those be? It's uh, always give more than you're taking. Because the more that you give, like, honestly, like the more that you give, you're going to get even more in return and like that all oh, increases exponentially too. Like you think, oh man, if I just only give, if I give everything I've got, like you, you get like a little bit back, but like, honestly, like it just, everything starts to grow. And you know, it's like the law of reciprocity. Like that goes back to like my online business. I remember uh, I was like, you know what? Like people aren't gonna buy my stuff, you know? Like why would they buy from me? There's so many other coaches out there who are experts and have way more credentials than I do. But uh, my business partner was like, dude, you give away so many dope free workouts on social media. Don't stop doing that. Just keep giving out free stuff. Eventually, they're going to you ask for the, the buy. They're going to buy from you because they love you for giving away so much. And, you know, and that just means like, don't just give away free crap. That sucks. You know, be intentional give away valuable information Hell yeah, bro. and mm. share your love. And then it'll, it comes back to you. Yeah. You that's know? the law, right? It always does. Yeah. I love that, mm. man. Very cool. That's an awesome ending right there. Thank mm. you again. <laughs> yeah. Thank Thanks you for, for having me on. guys. Thanks yeah. for having the space for me to, to open up. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it's been it. cool to listen to your story. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks guys. All right, guys. Till next time. Awesome. Show. Cool. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend, drop the podcast a five-star rating, and be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.